0: Hey, it's Ethan. As a love extremist, I'm always searching for the bridges that bring us closer together as humans. Over the course of this podcast, I've learned that when we face major life changes, they can become a connection point for deep inquiry, storytelling, and emotional growth. With that in mind, I'm devoting this current season of Love Extremist Radio to life changes and specifically focusing on millennials engaging with a life-changing diagnosis. I'll connect with folks from all sides of the medical system to eke out the personal stories and lessons that show up when our bodies let us down. If you like what you hear, subscribe, post a review, and share it with a friend or two. Shoot me a DM at Ethan Lipsitz. that's E-T-H-A-N-L-I-P-S-I-T-Z, once you do, and I'll send you a sweet little piece of wearable art from the Love Extremist crew. Thanks for being here. Welcome to Life Changes with Brain Cancer. This is a collaborative series of salon conversations hosted in partnership with the Love Extremist Club and X Cures. And you can learn more about how X Cures helps patients and doctors connect to clinical trials and sign up for their X-Inform platform at xcures.com brain. I'm going to post that link above us shortly, and you can find it in my bio as well. So anyone that's interested in what X-Cures is up to, definitely sign up for their X-Inform platform. And just anyone that, even if you're a caretaker, or someone with cancer, or you're a human being, cancer is going to show up somewhere in the world around you. And knowing about resources to get involved with compassionate care which we're going to talk about and compassionate use for clinical trials and other things or non-fda approved drugs is really powerful and i know ann's going to speak a little bit to that experience welcome ann thanks for popping up and welcome to clubhouse thank you yeah having
1: me with you yeah (laughs)
0: absolutely actually since you're off mute would you like to start and just share a quick personal bio who are you and what brings you to this conversation
1: Yeah, sure. So my name is Anne, and I am the caretaker of a 12-year-old boy who was diagnosed with a a diffuse midline glioma, a DMG, on the thalamus, and that was in May 2018. And when we learned about it, the tumor was said to be inoperable and incurable, and after radiotherapy and the first line of chemo, soon enough, doctors told us that nothing more could be done. So you can imagine as a how tough those words are. And, and we decided with my husband, we were quite curious. We wanted to know what was happening. So we read a lot of things on the internet and we heard about a new promising drug that was available in the United States. So, of course, we wanted to try that with our son. And uh, we left everything we had, like we are French, we live in Europe. So we just decided to leave to the US and we went to Houston first uh, to try to join a clinical trial. But Anatole was not eligible because his tumor was too big and he was too weak. That At that moment, we were totally in shock. We didn't know what to do. We were no doctors. We had no idea where to go. We had no clue about the American system for health. And we were there. So it was really a frightening time. I want to press
0: pause right now because I want to leave everyone hanging. And I want to get into the next part of this story in a moment because there's a lot here. But okay. (laughs) Thank you, Anne, for grounding us in your story as a caretaker and Anatole's story. This is common, whether you be American or from elsewhere, coming into medical. Systems and not necessarily getting the care you may need, or opportunities to access clinical trials for various reasons. And so, this is a thread I want everyone to hang on to because there's resources and there's possibilities beyond what you may hear from an initial consult at a medical center. So, I definitely want to continue sharing that story, and and thank you for grounding us in your background and where you come from. Greg, would you be down to pop off mute and share a bit about you before we continue? Greg, are you here? Okay. Well, hopefully he'll come in shortly, but in the meantime, I'll pass it to Devin. Devin, would you like to share a bit about you and what brings you to this conversation?
2: Yeah, sure. And thanks for sharing so far, Ian. We appreciate it. So yeah, my name is Devin. I live here in the US. I live in Indiana, so the Midwest, and I was diagnosed with glioblastoma, GBM, a few days before my 30th birthday. That was February 2020. So I've been living with GBM for two and a half years and feeling very grateful and lucky to be here and not have very many physical or mental issues or concerns due to the tumor and surgery and everything else I've gone through. And I've been wearing Optune, which I know is available in a few places outside the U.S. since June of 2020. So that's been over two years now. So
0: yeah. Awesome. And I want to get into what Optune is and how it works and all that stuff. But thank you for being here, Devon. And really excited to to chat more greg you're here sorry about that i'm here
3: all oh, good <laughs> haven't been on clubhouse for a while I had to figure it out
0: i know the interface is always changing good to have you back how are you
3: thanks buddy appreciate it everything's great
0: good um, so what brings you to the Conva?
3: so my name is Greg Lank. I'm an eight year glioblastoma survivor. And I actually just recently had an MRI. I was doing it every three months and now we just decided to go to four months. And I'm obviously know I'm a miracle. I feel lucky and blessed to still be alive and I appreciate every day and live life to its fullest and excited to be an inspiration for people to know that we can live long-term with this disease. And I don't plan on going anywhere anytime soon
0: yeah greg thank you you are a testament to to living with brain cancer and as someone who's just passing the five-year mark with anaplastic astrocytoma i am really look to you and others to to for affirmation and this priority to not be going anywhere, and to be here and have these mortality checks every few months to make sure we're good really makes life really powerful and potent. I'm glad we connected, and I'm great to, great to have you here. I, I'd love to to go back to you and hear a little bit about your experience navigating the healthcare system after Anatole was told he couldn't access a clinical trial. What was the next step for you in this maze of healthcare and and getting treatment.
1: The next step was actually grabbing the first hand that was for us, the helping hand, and that was actually American associations, such as the Mozilla Foundation, and via them through Cancer Commons and X-Cures. These associations are the ones we knew about before we, we went to the US, because that's where we could find accurate information about brain tumors so i went i actually contacted Mozilla from the Mozilla foundation before we left just to make sure he would tell us if this treatment we wanted to try on our son was the right one and he actually was totally into it so we felt confident we felt we could trust them And when we were totally lost in Houston, and that's toward them that we just went to. And thanks to their help, we could benefit from this new treatment under Compassionate Use. And he started in April 2019. So, yeah.
0: Could you tell us a bit about what that treatment was and... Yeah, how it works.
1: It's a new drug. It's still under clinical trials in the U.S. and now in Europe, in Paris, in France. Uh, It's called ONC201, O-N-C-201. And yeah, it's an inhibitor. It's the only drug, promising drugs, that is actually acting right on this type of tumor with a specific mutation, which is H3K27M.
0: Wow. Yes. There's so many. The mutations are complex.
1: They are. And that's where it's really get really sharp and you need to be a doctor to understand the whole thing. But uh, thanks to those associations, those platforms where you have this medical knowledge that is gathered and you have scientific advice available for free that's where we felt we we could rely on something else than the doctors we had at home and i think that's where it's really important to actually understand that there are options you are able to ask for a second opinion when you are told nothing else can be done maybe there are things that can be done but elsewhere and of course for that you need to be ready to travel, ready to leave things behind you. Maybe also speak a different language, go to a different country. But when it's your child or your own life or your parent life or your friend's life, that's really what you want to do. It's to go there for options.
0: Thank you, Anne. And you sound like you've been here for a while. Your English is Mm -hmm. excellent. But also I think that's just such a powerful reminder that we don't have to just take what the doctor says and resign to that. There's always additional f- thoughts. There's always additional opportunities to explore. And with science evolving so quickly, and I know there's a lot of us that are pay- keeping tabs on these things, but having the resources like The Link Above Me and X-Cures and the Al Foundation and others, there are these incredible resources to support us when the doctor doesn't necessarily have a great answer and maybe we need some other options. I want to get back into to more of that story, but I also want to keep the combo flowing. So Devin, I'd love to hear just how you found Optune, if that was presented to you and also how it works, because I know that's been a core part of your story and curious if that was originally something suggested by your medical team or something you had to find elsewhere. Yeah,
2: a great question, Ethan. So Yeah, that that first appointment, I think two weeks after my craniotomy, when I met with the neuro-oncologist, they had gotten the pathology results back, obviously, from the craniotomy, showing that the mass, the tumor, was glioblastoma. And it was not, obviously, that was like terrible day. But yeah, then they just explained the next steps and gave me some paperwork on Optune. But I literally passed out when they told us this diagnosis. My uncle had this years ago. And unfortunately, we know a number of other people in the Indianapolis area and surrounding that have this. So we really were just shocked. We know how devastating this disease is and how poor the prognosis is as well. So anyways, that, that was was not a good day, but we were presented with information the same day that I was diagnosed with GBM. From there, I had to move quickly over the next few weeks A post-craniotomy to find out where I wanted to receive care. Obviously, I didn't re- want to receive care where I originally had my surgery at since I was not a fan of the medical team and that's I am all for as a patient being your own advocate if you don't feel comfortable speak up this is your life you have one life so you have to push and obviously you want to be surrounded by people that will support you and so that's what I felt most comfortable going out of state so I'm going to another facility in the midwest for my care and Obviously, once I completed the standard treatment of care, chemo and radiation, I started Optune. Like I said, June 2020. So Optune has had, I think, FDA approval since 2015 or 2016. So fairly new for newly diagnosed and recurrent GBM patients. The device works by creating an alternating electric current. So I have to uh, shave my head every day to every three days, depending on when I change the arrays. In the summer, it's pretty much every day I have to change because it, because there's electricity that's used. And I get pretty hot on my head, and then it's hot outside. So anyways, yeah, so I change quite frequently. So I'll put new arrays on during that time period, and it's connected to the Optune device. And like I said, it creates this alternating electric current that disrupts ptosis, so cell division, and as we know, that happens really slowly within normal brain tissue, but with things like cancer, GBM, it's occurring at a higher rate. So I don't know if it's like a frequency or hertz that it's set to for Optune that's able to get those GBM cells. So that alternating electric current basically causes the cells to fragment. And die. It's not 100%. As we know, we go to the research, it shows it extends people's lives on average about four months. But that's statistically significant for a disease like this where the prognosis is 12 to 18 months. So yeah
0: wow thank yeah thank you for sharing that and i know it's a complex device and um
2: yeah I'm like, <laughs> i don't work for the company so yeah, like
0: i don't know there's a lot there going on there's but it's a lot. yeah also like the, the ma- maintaining the shaved head is a big piece of this and i get that and it also resonated it was a big deal i had a lot of identity around my hair and shaved my head when after going through radiation and though di- a little different yeah that's a it's a big change of lifestyle to do that but also Really interesting hearing about your patient self advocacy and finding a second place to go for your care uh, in the Midwest, which um, I'm glad you found. I'm really excited to to welcome Leslie onto the stage. Leslie, I'm glad you found us. There's a microphone button in the bottom right corner of your screen, and if you hit that, you'll come off mute. Would love to just hear what brings you to this conversation and uh, a little bit about you quickly as we continue on.
4: I, I apologize. I've heard everything. I'm obviously inept at uh, Clubhouse, but I'm getting better. Yeah, you found us.
0: It's all good. (laughs) Welcome.
4: So I've heard Ann's story and I've heard Greg's story. I've heard everybody. So just to tell you a little bit about myself, I'm a registered nurse and I've got over 40 years experience. I got a master's degree in nursing from Vanderbilt and worked in ICU for a little while, about 10 years. And then I got into clinical research. So I'm pretty familiar with the clinical research realm. And then about four years ago, I decided I wanted less stress and I don't know why I was drawn to this, but I worked for Cancer Commons and and with X-Cures and think very highly of both organizations. And now I'm working for Chad Tuff Defeat DIPG, which we've just launched in May, the My DIPG Navigator Program. And one of the things, it's like Cancer Commons, except it's it's specifically for DIPG and DMG. And we hear all the time where there's nothing to do. They tell them to go home and make memories. And my job is to provide hope, I think. And I think, I think I do that. And one of the things of X-Cures story, by the way, and this is, I tell this often, by the way, Ethan, Marty, the co found the founder of X-Cures had melanoma back in 1998. And he, that stage four, and he pretty much had a death sentence. And there was not a lot of treatment for melanoma back then. And he got on a clinical trial. That particular clinical trial did not work. uh, So they stopped it. But somehow it helped him. And he's alive and well. And I'm just, so we don't know. What's going to help a particular patient? And I always think there's always hope. I help, and I would, if you would have been in touch with us, but we weren't around. I would have helped you, help facilitate, and t- try to find you a place to go for treatment, or try to find the kind of treatment that you wanted. And part of our mission is also to educate. You get the shock; it's unbelievable shock, and you're in shock. I think for a while, and you do what you're told, and then you might come out of it and it's okay, I need to. I need some education. I need more information. And I think our purpose, I hope I'm not talking too long, Ethan. Our purpose is, I firmly believe that in general, our medical system is broken. And we're able to spend, we spend hours with patients, not maybe at the same day. But we take a lot of time and do a lot of listening and a lot of talking and hear what they want, hear what they're doing. And then try to generally try to match them up with clinical trials because that's all there is. In general, after your radiation for DIPG and generally for DMG. So there's more, a little more for DMG. But so after radiation, which is the standard of care, we try to find a, tr- a clinical trial that it'll, it'll either fit the patient's want or basically what they want. We try to see if we can help them find it and facilitate it for them.
0: Wow. Thank you for the work you do and sharing that background. And I also understand you're a survivor yourself. Are you open to just quickly sharing your personal backstory with cancer and how it relates to this?
4: So that's a miracle in and of itself. I had stage 3C ovarian cancer 15 years ago. And that's how I know about the shock. I think I was in shock for about six months. And I was just like a good little patient. I went from, okay, be here on Monday. Okay, be here on Friday. Okay. And looking back, I didn't know I was in shock. And boy, have I learned a lot since then. And so it wasn't just a week of shock or a month. It was a long period of time. And it would have been nice for people. My doctor was great, by the way. Fortunately, that was very fortunate for me. But I'm I would change doctors in a heartbeat if they told me to go home and make memories. I want to fight. I want people to fight. I think there's always a chance. And someday we're going to find a cure for DIPG. And I think we've made a lot of progress in GBM, a lot. So,
0: Definitely. Yeah. And I I want to get into what DIPG is. But before we do that, Greg, I'd like to ask you if you're willing to go back to your diagnosis, the time when you got diagnosed and just walk us through that and your process with the medical system and how you process that information. Because we're talking a little bit about kind of the shock that comes, of mm-hmm. course. Sure, and sure. Al- also, just like how you approached your medical care and your moving forward in the next steps immediately after learning that you had this.
3: Sure, absolutely. I believe it was like around June 2014 is when I had three like mini seizures, but not seizures. I just felt a little abnormal and imbalanced. I'd look at my phone and see different colors. A couple times I was drunk or hungover, but I was like, something's wrong. I remember I pulled over and I asked my fr- friend to pick me up and drive me home. But each time I went to, I fell asleep and I woke up fine the next day. So, I never really addressed it as far as going to the doctor or the hospital, because the next day I was fine. And then I was in the Hamptons, I was driving with the girlfriend at the time, and I was like, I don't feel, I don't feel right, I have to go get checked it out this week. And I literally got into my friend's pool, I was swimming, apparently I was underwater for a while, I have a tendency to try and just hold my breath and swim around. And, there were, luckily, there were other guys in the pool with me. They're like, he's been down there for a while. So they pulled me out. I was, siegu- I, I was having a seizure. I remember that the fire department came. They pulled me and said, what year is it? The pre- you know, who's the president? Blah, blah, blah. They took me to the Southampton Hospital. They did a CAT scan and they said, you have a brain tumor and we think it's cancer. Meanwhile, they didn't even have a neurological department. From there, my mom was in West Hampton at the time. She came and met me. And then next steps, we decided They tried. they they took me to Stony Brook because they have a neurological department. And then my mom and and us, we just decided, let's go back to New York and deal with it because that's where we live in, in, in the city. Consulted with a few different doctors. Finally, I had my surgery done in Mount Sinai, successful surgery. Luckily, my tumor was at the top of my brain. It was the size of a lima bean. And I was out of the hospital in two days. And I'm thinking, oh, tumor's gone. Everything's great. All good. And then I just remember my mom telling me that I have glioblastoma. Most people don't live longer than six months to a year. Do not Google it because obviously a lot of the information is outdated and it's so I just, to this day I've never really googled glioblastoma to be honest with you but because of my education with doctors and everything I've learned all about it but I just remember going down to Riverside Park in New York and it was like 6 a.m. and I was like fuck I'm gonna die <laughs> and just obviously for a while a lot of dark thoughts and then I just I hopped around different different schools to figure out where I wanted to get my standard care, chemo and radiation. Mount Sinai I didn't have a department set up yet, and I also met with a Doctor at Cornell, the one who was also did the the Netflix show Lexington Lexington Hill, I believe it's called. And Linux. The, the, which...
2: Linux Hill.
3: Yes, yes. Yeah, Lenox Hill. yeah. Those, um, so yeah. Dr. John Bookvar. So he wasn't set up, and then I went, I decided to go to Columbia Presbyterian on the Upper West Side, 168th Street. I did six six weeks of radiation, I believe, and I wound up doing tamidar for two over two years. If people don't know what, I would assume most people know what that is, but it's the chemo pill that penetrates the only one that can penetrate the blood-brain barrier. And from there on, I was literally just, I'd get my MRI every two months. And as time went by, I did one clinical trial. They said that my eyes might get blurry from it. And then after dissecting my tumor and researching, they realized that my tumor reacts positive towards the Temadar, and I didn't have to do this clinical trial anymore. And pretty much from there on in, every time I go to the hospital with my mom, get the MRI and everything's great. Everything's great. Oh, little scar tissue. And then as the years went by, I, I extended it most recently. I was getting it every three months and then I was getting it all done in New York. Then once the pandemic started, I wound up just doing it out here. And the doctor just kept on saying, everything's great. You know, keep doing what you're doing. I was like, need? should I do any clinical trials? They're like, nope. Should I take anything? Nope. And so I, I I'm a miracle and I'm lucky because I have been able to pretty much lead a normal life. I haven't had any side effects, except maybe getting old because I'm 51. And I talked to a lot of people that got diagnosed and want to obviously get some guidance in terms of advice and how they can handle it with doctors and things like that. For me, it's however I can be an inspiration for people and help guide them and connect them with the right people to make sure that they have the best care. And most importantly, I tell people when their mother get diagnosed or someone, I said, Spend as much time with them as possible. Miracles do happen. Obviously, they're doing a lot of research and you know, there's no cures. I remember going to my doctor every time. He'd be like, oh, we have the Novacure helmet. And he's like, I wouldn't recommend it if, unless you really want to do it. That's pretty much been my story. I connect with a lot of people. Unfortunately, there are not many stories as far as long-term survivors. But uh, I've also connected with people that, that are 15-year, 21-year, 25-year So miracles do happen, and I expect to be one of them as well.
0: Yeah, thank you. And yeah, I was speaking to another person who I think has a similar long-term survival rate as you, Adam Hayden, who's also pretty well-known in the community. I wonder, have there been things that you've done? It sounds like your medical team has been basically said, just keep doing what you're doing, which is essentially living your life and being in gratitude and staying as healthy as you are. Are there other things that you think have supported your longevity quickly? Are there other things that you do with diet or exercise or?
3: hundred percent. And that's a lot of times what I tell people is I lead a very active lifestyle. From what I'm told, oxygen helps kill cancer cells. So I play tennis, I work out, I run, I walk, I eat healthy. I do not eat any processed foods, a lot of fish, plant-based salads. Stay away from red meat feeds cancer shell cancer cells and sugar. Stay away from diet sodas and sugar. There's been a couple of times my doctor, Dr. Andrew Lassman at Columbia is very conservative. So I'd ask him about marijuana. I'd ask him about working out. I'd ask him about so many things and he just can't really speak to that many. Except one time he did tell me that there has been evidence that working out has been good for for breast cancer. And then obviously they were doing clinical trials for the keto diet at Cornell and other, other things. So I've tried to try and stick to a keto. It's not something I can do 100%. It's just too much for me. I do enjoy sweets and other stuff, but I don't eat carbs that much. So those are the certain things. And most importantly, and I tell people this time and time again, I live my life stress-free. Stress is a killer. It, ki- it just destroys your, your, it destroys your gut, destroys your energy, and just everything about it. So I just tell people just live life, enjoy, appreciate every day, and live stress-free.
0: It's brilliant advice and easier said than done, I know, but I know you have, you practice in it, but I want to talk more about it in time. But thank you for sharing that, Greg. I'm going to reframe the room and remind everyone kind of what we're up to. And then I want to get into back to Anne about some of her process and as a caregiver and as someone supporting others. But quickly, just want to remind everyone who just has popped in. This is Life Changes with Brain Cancer, and it's a collaborative series of salon conversations Hosted in partnership with the Love Extremist Club and X Cures. And you can learn about more about how X Cures helps patients and doctors connect to clinical trials and sign up for their X-Inform platform at xcures.com/slash brain, which is the link above my head. We're all talking about clinical trials, about alternative protocols, about what we can do to support our best health as patients or as caregivers or as friends and supporters of people going through cancer. So definitely check out that link. I also want to say next week, we're going to be talking specifically with leaders in novel treatment around cannabis, around health and diet, and the keto diet specifically. We've got folks from Cedar sinai We've got Ethan Russo coming on, who's one of the clinicians and researchers and physicians on cannabis here in the States for brain tumors. So very excited to be having that conversation next week. And I know that's been relevant to your interest greg and what you just mentioned i'd love to on the theme of stress and like self support i definitely resonate with creativity and i think being active and taking in oxygen and staying fit and eating well are all super important and part of the protocol that can really help us i checked out your instagram devin and i saw you like to be outside and hike and get out in nature and so I i can tell that you're an active person as well and I just would love to hear more about what you have been creating or what you made in sharing your experience with Anatole and the the exceptional summer. <laughs>
1: yeah the exceptional summer first i just want to bounce back on 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 greg's book because i can see a lot of similarities between our experience diet is an important matter and and i'm so sad that hospitals don't say a word about what you should be avoiding or at least look into research and see what's going on because sugar is definitely feeding cancer, red meat as well. And you're not told anything about it in the hospital by the the dietists, and I find it really sad. It's the same thing with the repurposed drugs, with vitamins and supplements, all those kind of things, all those alternatives you can find easily and you can read about it on the internet but no one would talk about it at the hospital Uh, and that's really bothered me and that's why it's so important I think that's We, survivors, talk about it, and to others, because it's part of the options you can have to heal. And as long as you have options, then you have hope. so that's really very important to me. And cannabis as well. That's all the things that we're doing for our son. And we have been honest with our team here. We told them everything we would do. And at one point they say, whatever you do, keep going. It seems to work. And we would never know if it's our new drug if it's cannabis if it's the diet that helped my son or if it's the combination of the three of them or the four of them there is those things that you can do and just actually take control on your health i actually read a book about it's written by kelly turner i don't know if you've heard about her she's a professor i think or a doctor at least And she was just so surprised to see that no one uh, was studying the the radical and expected remissions. So she went on a trip and she went around the world to talk about survivors. And she was able to, to find nine factors that are, to her opinion, the key to radical remission. And among them, you have diets, you have the fact to take control of your health, you have to follow your intuition, you have all the herbs and supplements nature can give you. You have to control or to deal with your emotions. You need need also the social support, I think, and also spirituality are important things to heal. And I really recommend to read this book if you are on this journey because you have keys to help yourself and that's one of the main keys I think.
0: Yes, Radical and, Remission, and, fantastic book.
1: Yeah. And to come back to your questions, Ethan, sorry, I'm just talking a, a lot maybe, but It's great. Yeah, as a caregiver, as a parent, I actually r- write every time. I'm a writer, so when we were going through all this, I was taking notes and I was even taking notes when we had our meetings with the doctors, just to make sure that I would understand, focus and be able to read again after the meeting and make sure that I I understand. And yeah, it was really funny to see, for example, when we were two parents with the doctors, we would go to the meeting, we would go out and we wouldn't have heard or we wouldn't remember the same thing from the same meeting. So really emotion is really important in this case. And so I write and then I decided a couple of years afterwards to actually take those notes and to make a novel out of it. I didn't want to write a biography. It was something too personal, I think and it would have involved my family, my friends. It was in a novel and to make sure this hope that I had through our journey. And of course, because my son is a miracle as Greg is, as Devin is, we need to talk and about hope because we are giving hope. And I can see that when we, I talk with the families that are just learning about their son's or daughter's disease, and they have doctors just telling them, no, that's it, it's cancer. <laughs> Your child has nine months to live and that's it. And they are not, those children, they are not a a, a simple number in a statistic. I don't agree with that. And I don't want them to lose this hope. And as long as there is hope, there is life as well. So it's important to to be behind them. It's sometimes a bit scary because I'm not sure of anything. I know this is a deadly cancer most of the time. But why is my son among us? I have no clue. Maybe it's because I've done things with him. Maybe not. Nobody knows. And as long as nobody knows, I will talk and say, there is a chance you can go out of this cancer and live. And my son has sequels. He has difficulty to walk. He has poor vision, but he's a happy chap. All the same, he goes to school, he has friends, and yeah, life is tough, of course, for him. But it's also a miracle that is...
0: Yeah, it's so powerful to hear about his story and how you've also been able to share, not only with your family and with other caregivers, but also with folks back in France and speaking and writing about what you do and your experience it's really i see creativity in these creative outlets as parts of the healing process for ourselves for reducing stress for finding our hope and our faith and our love and that is a core part of radical remission and a core part of healing so Big reason why we're here. Big reason why this club is called Love Extremists. Leslie, I'd love to hear from you as someone who's an advocate. And then I want to also hear from you, Devon, around your self-advocacy. But what do you recommend for people in terms of this thread of conversation, in terms of looking after your needs and also providing for your best possible outcomes and best possible health beyond just what the doctor says?
4: I think you need to be your own advocate. I think that's the best thing you can do. I think we have this thought that Doctors are the end all be all, and I'm not trying to diminish them, but and I also think the squeaky door gets the oil. (laughs) That saying, if we just go along and follow everything they say, and don't ask questions, and don't look into supplements, and don't read books, and don't exercise, and don't change our diet, yeah, what if that works? I don't know, but I've done all those things, by the way. So, two. And what was it? I was it the doctor? Was it that I changed my diet? Was it I don't know. I'm like Ann. No. But I think if you need to listen to your gut. We tell parents that all the time. You have to go with your gut. I don't we, we don't tell parents what to do. We give them education and then we say, what do you want to do? I don't know is usually the answer. And I said, what does your gut tell you? Because I think your gut is such a great indicator for as a barometer to know which way to go. And I think you should trust your gut feelings and continue to have advocates and people to help you. Doctors do not have the time in general, I'm sure there's exceptions, to spend, to me, the time needed to help as much as I think they may want to, but they just can't. Our health system has... They used to could do that, but I don't think they can do it anymore just because of how it's all set up. That's, I don't know if that's helpful or not, but.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's very helpful. I think also just understanding how to get into our guts or become, excuse me, self-advocates is a really important question. And I'd love to pass that to to Devin. How have you found both self-advocacy and the strength and the ability to do that and then also, what are some additional things you do to stay well and to continue to have that ability to check in with yourself and know what you need and give yourself what you need to be healthy?
2: Yeah, so I really think that it comes from, like we're talking about advocating for yourself, but a big part of that is yourself the best, it's your body your be- the best, it's your body being able to speak up and Yes, our healthcare system is broken, as Leslie has pointed out. I completely agree with that. But yeah, finding that strength to to use your voice and be heard. Like I said, I know it's complicated in our healthcare system where we have,
1: you can be dismissed.
2: I'm a white female and it's different for everyone, but I honestly, and it's my PCP, could have clearly could have just dismissed my symptoms that I had of, which ended up being a seizure, but some issues communicating properly and series of headaches, which I thought were just migraines, but were actually from the pressure of the tumor on my brain for over a month. But anyways, yeah, there was just a lot of things, like I said, a primary care physician could have easily dismissed. And then, like I said, essentially I was younger at the time and I was by myself at the appointment and identify as a female yeah I think there's a lot of things that kind of the system is set up that you can get easily brushed under the rug so yeah I find that strength through just my inner self and then obviously having a very close relationship with my family and friends I wouldn't be able to I wouldn't be here without them so yeah that's that but to stay you mentioned about trying to stay well so like you said yeah I love being outside so I like I'm fortunate enough where in, in my neighborhood, I'm able to take a walk. <laughs> so I usually end up walking in the evenings because of the Optune device. It is sensitive to heat and obviously the extreme sunlight and the heat that impacts the device. So I will try and walk at night. And then I'm also in a club. It's a lightsaber academy. So it's a mix of like martial arts and fencing. So I... I do that to stay active, but also have a very close, almost family-like group of friends there And that I've been doing that, obviously, before before I was diagnosed with cancer, so I've been doing that for probably four years now. So yeah, being physically active, and then, yeah, try to watch what I eat, but also, like, it's my life, and I'm gonna enjoy things, and splurge, and get dessert, because... Yeah, why not? But I know there is a lot of stuff out there, like we've mentioned about the keto diet that can help us with GBM, but I can't give up bread. I can't give up carbs. Yeah.
0: I hear you. And I also want to offer, there's some amazing resources to shift to keto and find, still enjoy a lot of the carb style things without the carbs and the
1: wonderful just okay.
0: yeah i'm learning so much about how to live a keto lifestyle and also enjoy sweet stuff that is sweetened with monk fruit and stevia and there's all sorts of great resources mm-hmm. definitely if you can join us next week at the same time we're going to be having a conversation about that and diet and nutrition and all the things we can be doing there but
2: that sounds great
0: yeah it's awesome to hear though like you're reminding us that everyone's protocol is not the same and we can talk all we want about what we think is helping us but as ann and leslie said often we don't quite know what it is it could be lightsaber academy that's keeping us going which sounds awesome and i want to join or it could be any number of other things and ultimately stress or reducing stress and all of these other things that keep us going are core. And it's about having as many interventions as we possibly can that feel good for us and work with our guts. Yeah, we know our bodies best, as you said, Devin. So it's really a powerful reminder that it's not a one-size-fits-all situation when we're dealing with these diagnoses and ultimately finding space to to define what love looks like, self-care, what self-love looks like, what no stress looks like on our terms is so important. And the protocols vary wide, but it's also great to to trust in whatever interventions we can find that can help. And a lot of that is mental and energetic and beyond just the medicine. Leslie, did you want to add something?
4: I did. The, the thing that we have found since we launched our program, which is not very long, but I think if I could provide advice to anybody who has newly diagnosed brain cancer of any kind would be to reach out and get an advocate to help. There's a lot you can pay an advocate if you want to. Cures is no cost. My DIPG navigator's no cost. It can't hurt you and I think it can only help you. And we have found that we can help more people if they come to us initially instead of when things go really wrong if they go wrong. There's less options. There's less things we can do. And I think you should seek an advocate of some sort, paid or unpaid, because there's lots of places out there that can help. And our organization does not help financially. There are organizations out there that help, I think, financially, because it can be a financial devastation to a family. And there's things out there to help families financially, too
0: yeah there's a lot of resources that you can access and the al Musella guide for newly diagnosed brain cancer patients is an incredible resource over 200 pages of resources that includes some information about financial access and advocacy and all that appreciate al and all he's done he was in our first conversation about what you should do when diagnosed i think that is a great kind of closing space to go, I'd love to just go around and maybe share a couple last words as to what you encourage people who are facing this diagnosis or those who may be in the caretaker role or a friend role. What, what advice do you have when you're first facing this incredible life change that just completely shakes your world and I'll I'll pass it to Greg. What's your thought in terms of people who are just getting diagnosed? What would you advise?
3: I remember when I got first diagnosed and me and my mom and my brother were like, shit, brain cancer, what the fuck is that? We're like, I wish there was like a cancer concierge or something like that to help us provide us with answers. Cause you know, luckily we were, I'm very connected. I know a lot of people, so I was able to figure it out. But education, connecting with the right people, the right organizations reaching out to as many people as possible, seeing how many options are out there and what options are out there. Do not Google glioglastoma, it's just not worth it. And that's what I would recommend. And then obviously communities like this and other organizations, and just has different opinions. But I also think it's important to get as many instinct opinions possible. And most importantly, what, what you said earlier was go with your gut, go with your instinct.
0: Yeah great advice thank you greg and thanks for being here it's great to to have you here and just so excited that you continue to thrive um,
3: my pleasure i wish everybody the same live life to its fullest appreciate it yeah have fun <laughs> definitely
0: devon you got any advice for those who are just coming upon this news and facing it head on
2: yeah greg and i are definitely in sync on this i same thing. It's using your connections, friends and family to figure out where do you go from here after this diagnosis, okay? I literally, after the surgery, I'm calling MD Anderson and Duke and Northwestern and seeing what my options are. I did use other resources like Al, and we're talking about his Musala Foundation. Then there were a couple other brain tumor associations or groups that I went to, to just make sure I was making an educated decision on where I'd be going for the rest of my care post craniotomy. And another thing is finding your people, like I have a group here in Indy of six, maybe seven people unfortunately diagnosed with GBM, living with GBM, and we try and get together and have lunch or have dinner when we can once a month once every few months and our partners or friends family are always invited to come with us but it is so nice to get together with people that are going through the same thing as you because it can be so isolating so yeah finding your people that are also living with the same diagnosis is can be really powerful because you can pull your resources again together and collaborate and figure out what's working for certain people or what neuro practice has seen success or has great surgeon that people have been happy with so yeah
0: definitely find your squad and uh, mine's (laughs) growing y'all are part of it now psyched to have you (laughs) and uh, we're cross-country we're all over so it's really important to have those people around and would you like to close this out with some advice for caretakers and others just going through this
1: Yes, I would like to say don't be overwhelmed, don't be devastated when you hear about it. I, I think, of course, the shock is so huge, but at the same time, I remember maybe I was dumb, but I didn't think about death right away. So I, I, I was trying to find options. I was really fighting to find different solutions and to, to make my brain work in a way, so maybe that's a good option for brain tumors patients, is to make your brain work. And of course, as you both say, Greg and Devon, follow your intuition. I do believe in intuition in that case. Of course, you know yourself, and that was your body. But with my son, I felt I was guided. I knew I wanted to do something. and. I was really hoping so strongly that something would change the curse of of the yeah this of the, the what doctors say to us. So really follow your intuition and help is important. It's it's uh, it's really important to have people around you, n- not to be isolated. I think isolation in that case is just a nightmare. And talking writing talking makes see things differently um, so it's always good to to talk about it uh, with people or to write things down to make sure you have the right words on things and maybe the last thing would be yeah doctors don't know you or your son your daughter your pa- parents as much as you do so it's again a question of intuition i guess there is hope.
0: <laughs> there is definitely hope. There's more than that. There's love and there's connection and so much that goes into it. Thank you all. This has been a really powerful and wonderful conversation. I want to thank Xcures as well. We've all referenced the value of having additional advocates and support in clinical trials. So click that link above my head, go to xcures.com slash brain, sign up for their database to get notified of possible clinical trials that could support you. And also just use this resource for friends, right? This is something that whether you're a caregiver or a friend or a family member, this is going to co- come up in your life if it hasn't already. And it's good to have it in your back pocket because as Leslie said, better to be prepared before something really terrible happens and have your advocacy and your support system in place because who knows what could come down the pipe. Thank you all. I hope everyone has a beautiful rest of your Tuesday and uh, looking forward to hopefully staying in touch and uh, staying well staying healthy out there
4: thanks ethan thank Thank you. you
0: take care thanks for listening to life changes from love extremist radio don't forget to share this episode and leave a review if it resonates your support helps us grow make sure you dm me at Ethan Lipsitz once you leave that review for some free goodies and sign up for our newsletter at www.ourlifechanges.co.
4: Peace.